millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Some people would give their left arm to appear on Star Trek, and some other people feel like it cost them the equivalent of it. There has been 60 years of Star Trek history, and in that time, hundreds of actors have passed through the final frontier. It stands to reason that not all of them would have had an amazing time. Many have spoken openly about how much of their time on the show affected them and their careers. Some have had such a bad time that they have refused to work with the franchise ever again. So, without further ado, I'm Marcus Bronzy from What Culture, and here are 12 actors who hated being on Star Trek. Number 12, Denise Crosby. Lieutenant Tasha Yar was a key character of the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. She was tough, brave, and strong, filling the role of a security chief aboard a galaxy class starship. It looked to be a juicy role to sink an actor's teeth into, and Denise Crosby was brought in to play the part. However, she quickly became frustrated with the way her character was being used, or should I say, underused. She has commented in recent times that she felt that if a matte painting of her legs had been done, it could have been slotted behind the command chairs underneath the security station. That was the impact she felt her character was having based on the stories she was being given. Now, whilst I wouldn't complain about having my knees behind Sir Patrick Stewart during some of his glory years in The Next Generation, there's no getting around that line, is there? Moving on. I can understand her frustration. In what Sir Patrick Stewart has since described as a big mistake, the show failed to keep Crosby on board and she quit before the end of the season. Her character was written out by being killed by Armus, the black slime embodiment of evil. It was both a shocking and underwhelming end to a character with a lot of potential. She was, however, brought back for one episode in the third season's Great Yesterday's Enterprise, where we see her in an alternate timeline. Fan reaction was such that Crosby then pitched the idea of Yar having a half-Romulan daughter, Sela, and this daughter would go on to appear in three more stories. However, her first year was somewhat wasted in what could have been some real ground-laying work. Number 11. Jeffrey Dean Morgan before Lucille and he went off to do some zombie hunting in The Walking Dead, Negan was a Star Trek Enterprise character. However, thanks to the show, he almost quit acting altogether. Jeffrey Dean Morgan appeared in the third season of Enterprise in the episode entitled Carpenter Street alongside guest star Leyland Orsa. Now, 
The heavy makeup required for the Zindi reptilian role was overbearing and claustrophobic, which meant that filming was a miserable experience for him. Morgan later admitted that there were times he would cry in the evenings from frustration, fatigue, and bitterness. Once production was wrapped on the episode, he had decided that acting wasn't for him. However, thankfully, he would take time and change his mind, eventually becoming the successful Negan on The Walking Dead. Number 10. Diana Muldor Diana Muldor has actually appeared as three separate Star Trek characters in the franchise. She began her career in Trek on the original series, appearing in the episode Return to Tomorrow. She would later return as a different character in In Truth Is There No Beauty. She described the experience working with the original series crew as enjoyable, feeling a sense of camaraderie. So, coming back to join the crew of the Enterprise would have been a cinch for the next generation. Well, you are wrong. Things were not so smooth when she returned once more, this time as Dr. Catherine Pulaski in The Next Generation's second season. She was brought in as a replacement for Gates McFadden, who had been fired at the end of the first season by producer Maurice Hurley. Hurley had strongly objected to McFadden's attempts to beef up her character. This meant Muldor was walking into a situation where she was replacing a beloved colleague who had been lost in dubious circumstances. It has often been said that the crew of TNG were extremely close for the duration of the show. However, it seems that Mordor never warmed to the group, nor they her, during her tenure. She basically wasn't feeling the love. On top of that, she was always billed as a special guest star, which doesn't really make you feel part of the family. And once the season ended, she declined to return for the third season. Number 9. Robert Beltran Robert Beltran was one of the actors who started to voice his criticisms of the show long before it came to an end. He was originally second lead in Star Trek Voyager, a role that had been enjoyed by Leonard Nimoy and Jonathan Frakes. However, he never had the same experience that they had. In his opinion, this was due to the fact that the producers simply forgot about his character after a while. He had been brought in as the leader of a separate group within Voyager crew, but the marquee subplot fizzled out as the show progressed. He was further irked by the introduction of Seven of Nine. He felt that the show was beginning to aim for a lower denominator of fanbase, using sex appeal rather than strong storytelling. I wonder if he felt the same way after they shared a few on-screen kisses. He felt that Chakotay, along with Tuvok, Tom Paris and Harry Kim, were quickly given less and less to do as the show began to further explain seven storylines. Once the final season rolled around, he allegedly gave the most wooden performance as possible, as he felt if the show wasn't going to offer him any meaty roles or things to do, well, they didn't deserve his finest work. He was critical of the season finale, quoted as saying, This is it, once he discovered the ending. And to be fair, I did think the ending was quite abrupt. Anyway, he has softened his views in recent years, but it's safe to say that he was no fan of the show by the time it wrapped. Number 8. Grace Lee Whitney Grace Lee Whitney was one of the sadder stories when it came to the Trek alumni. She was an actress and singer before being cast in Star Trek, and she appeared in eight episodes of the first season of the original series, playing Yeoman Rand, Kirk's personal assistant. However, she was then released from her contract and then went on to claim that she had been sexually assaulted by a producer and that Leonard Nimoy had been of great support to her at the time. She returned to the franchise for the motion picture after her former colleague DeForest Kelly found out she was unemployed. She appeared in four of the movies, two internet episodes, and returned for the 30th anniversary special Flashback, 
with George Takai. She also managed to capitalize on her Trek fame by releasing Trek-themed music. She died in May 2015, just months after her dear friend Leonard Nimoy. Number 7. Malcolm McDowell Dr. Sauron is one of the most hated characters in Star Trek history. He killed Captain Kirk, damn it! Sorry about that, sorry. <clears throat> However, the actor playing him, Malcolm McDowell, liked him about as much as the rest of the fandom. McDowell had long been known to his audience for his performances in films like the iconic Clockwork Orange, but this was the first, and to date, his only foray into Star Trek. He appeared in Star Trek Generations as a scientist trying to get back to the Nexus, willing to destroy anything in his path to do it. While he plays the character with an endearing subtlety and a quiet rage, McDowell felt the script let him down. In fact, he was quoted by his nephew Alexander Sadig, aka Julian Bashir, as saying that he thought the script was weak, and he himself admitted that he only took the role for the money. Word on the bridge is he turned it down four times until the producers agreed to his asking price. McDowell also received death threats from irate fans after the film was released, as they were really unhappy with his character's actions. Perhaps for his own safety, he's avoided returning to the Trek universe ever since. Number 6. Susanna Thompson Susanna Thompson played several characters during her tenure on Star Trek, appearing in The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, where she was one half of the franchise's first same-sex kiss with Terry Farrell. Later, she appeared as the Borg Queen in Star Trek Voyager's Dark Frontier and Unimatrix Zero. It was the makeup and costuming that Thompson particularly struggled with for these instances. For her first appearance, she was given contact lenses that were so uncomfortable that she thought of quitting outright after the first day of filming. She was in tremendous pain, and coupled with long hours, she felt that she wouldn't be able to do it again. However, she did and completed filming on Dark Frontier. She also agreed to return for the two-part Unimatrix Zero, but on the condition that she was given new and better contacts and that she could take them out more often than she had been allowed while filming Dark Frontier. She was not available for the series finale, and Alice Krieger was brought in to reprise the role she had originated in Star Trek First Contact. Number 5. Leonard Nimoy Leonard Nimoy initially had quite a complex relationship with Star Trek. He was cast in the original pilot as the alien character with pointy eyebrows and ears, and his appearance brought criticism from conservative viewers as he was deemed to be satanic. But now, it's fair to say that without Spock or Vulcans, Star Trek would look very different. However, it was exactly his appearance that would become the issue. Nimoy discovered that after the original series wrapped, that his likeness was being used in advertising without his consent, and more importantly at the time, without receiving any royalties. He would grow weary of the constant association with Spock, going so far as to write an autobiography entitled I Am Not Spock. In 1979, as the production was gearing up on the first motion picture, Jeffrey Katzenberg had to beg him to return. Whilst the motion picture was a huge financial success, it wasn't a critical darling and Nimoy only agreed to return for The Wrath of Khan on the provision that he be killed off. Well, he certainly received his wish. Before production wrapped on The Wrath of Khan, he approached the studio and asked to be brought back for the sequel. He also asked to direct, which cemented his return to the franchise. Before his death, Nimoy published another autobiography entitled I Am Spock, proving his frustrations with the series were thankfully temporary. Number 4. Jerry Ryan While the franchise is currently enjoying the glorious return of Seven of Nine in Picard, her first stint on the show was not a pleasant one. 
She was brought in at the beginning of Star Trek Voyager's fourth season in an open attempt to boost flagging ratings, replacing Jennifer Ann Lean's Kez, who producers felt wasn't hitting the right notes with the audience. The cast initially struggled to warm to her, and she has been quoted on several occasions speaking about how another actor made her life quite difficult on set. That actor was Kate Mulgrew. She'd been hired as Star Trek's first leading female captain, and she felt the progressive moves of the producers began to fall by the wayside once the character of Seven appeared. Now, she's been open about her coldness to Jerry Ryan on set, making their scenes together, many of which are really tender, all the more resonant when one takes into account the tensions behind them. Number 3. Will Wheaton Will Wheaton was coming off an already successful career when he appeared in Star Trek The Next Generation as Wesley Crusher. He had just starred in the critical hit Stand By Me and was fresh in people's minds. He was brought into the show to play the character that, unfortunately, many audiences would quickly come to hate. One such audience member was Rod Roddenberry, Gene's son. He felt anger towards Will as he felt that Gene was replacing the missing relationship between father and son with the relationship he was establishing with Will. As the show began to air, Wheaton became the subject of much negative fan reaction and would eventually leave in the show's fourth season. In a recent reunion, Wheaton spoke about his feelings of regret for the way he handled his time on the show. He felt sad and ashamed of the way that he had left, and he felt that for years he was not able to keep up a relationship with his castmates. Thankfully, in later life, he has been welcomed back to the family, returning for 2002 Star Trek Nemesis and currently hosting the after show for Star Trek Picard. The Ready Room. Number 2. Brent Spiner Another actor who has stepped back into the franchise's old yellow eyes. He was quite infamously killed off at the end of Star Trek Nemesis. This was actually a stipulation of Spiner's, as after almost 20 years, he was ready to walk away from the show. To be clear, not all of his time in Star Trek was a negative experience. He remains very close to the cast and frequents fan conventions. The role of Data typecasted him for a long time, and despite starring roles in films like Independence Day, which was one of the biggest films in the 90s, he's often expressed dislike at the questions he is asked by reporters and fans about his time on Star Trek, especially saying that they lack in diversity. However, as time has gone on and enough distance has grown between him and the everyday aspect of the role, he seems to be happier to look back fondly on his time. And though he may forever be Data in many people's eyes, he seems to have quietly put his feelings behind him and embraced the franchise once more with his appearance on Picard. Number 1. Garrett Wang To date, Garrett Wang is the only cast member to have had a request to direct an episode refused by the producers. Many of the Star Trek alumni and current cast have taken the director's chair along with Shatner, Nimoy, Frakes and Burton, Stewart and Brooks even. All of them have directed episodes or features of the franchise. So, when Garrett Wang put in a request, his denial must have been a bit of a slap in the face. The fact it was denied seems to be emblematic of the larger issue of the Star Trek Voyager series. In the seven-year run of the show, it suffered from ratings issues. Characters were also being underwritten and undeveloped. Perhaps the worst victim of this was Wang. A common joke is that Harry Kim was the franchise forever ensign, unable to gain a promotion, even though he had more experience than half of Starfleet. This is even remarked on in several episodes. However, Wang says that he did ask for his character to be promoted, and the response was, well, someone has to be ensign. Couple this with the refusal of the directing gig and the lack of cast cohesion, there's little mystery as to why Garrett Wang 
did not have the most enjoyable time on Star Trek. Like many others on this list, he still attends the conventions and seems more than happy to be a part of the show regardless. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.